Welcome to Overtime Hockey Talk. My name is Mark Paul, and my co-host Justin Baker, live in studio. In studio. In studio. It's about freaking time. No. Uh, <laughs> Just two shows ago. <laughs> I know. I know. Uh, you know, I was remiss to mention that our last show was episode number 69. Wow. Oh, missed out on that one. Wow. How did we not make some stupid joke about it? I don't that? know. Uh, we are here now on episode number 70. Number 70. That's a, you know, it's it's a weird milestone, but it's a milestone. Yeah. Uh, why is 75 more of a milestone than 70? That whole quarter thing. And more than 80, right? Like, Yeah, it is yeah. more than 80. But uh, I was I was telling you before the show, this is our first show that we've done where there's no game upcoming. There's no game that happened. It's just we're in the offseason. This is official offseason episode. Like, there's no, there's nothing. Yeah. Nothing from a game to talk about, and it's it's been since really end of September, because at least we had some preseason stuff to talk about then. And Yeah, I mean, unless you want to really be technical, we could say, oh, okay, well, the Marlies and sure, yeah, you know, yeah. Texas are playing each other tonight. Game but... 7, yeah. We're, we are recording this on uh, Thursday at about 6 p.m., so they're yet to, they've yet to play. But yeah, that's that's the last hockey left over. Is, it's funny that they go yep. so late with, uh, with the AHL, but uh, yeah, I mean... As a Leafs fan, I'm certainly enjoying the fact that the Marlies are are deep, just in the sense that it obviously means that there's some talent down there. Oh yeah, and uh, they they've. I mean, I know that uh, Travis Dermott's playing down there with them, and uh, so I mean, that's anytime that you have NHLers that are able to come down off the team and get some extra experience deep into the playoffs, that can only help your team later on. Although that is what they said about the Washington Capitals for a long time, because remember true. their their uh, their farm team won Hershey the Hershey yeah. yeah they won what three years in a row or something they along were good. those lines they were real good and that was actually Bruce Boudreaux was their coach was he really I think so huh. yeah I think yeah he was their coach and then he came up and he became Washington's coach and then of course you know all that and so all right so yeah who says Bruce Boudreaux can't win the game big game. Right? I guess. I mean, hey, that's what we all said about Barry Trotz, and then he goes and he wins the big game now. So I think it does. It shows you that, I mean, how, mu- how much is it really a coach? Yeah, I mean. <laughs> and how much is it the players? Yeah, the players got to go out there and put the puck in the net. Like, is Joel Quinville a really good coach? Yes, absolutely. How much was it the fact that his team was amazing? Right. They were stacked yeah. for a while. Yeah. Okay, well, uh our show today, like many of our sh- previous shows before this, uh, as we lead up to the draft, we continue to grab three teams in the order at which they are drafting and uh, and give their off-season breakdown and talk about what they're, what they're doing, what they should do, and we kind of give our predictions maybe for what might happen at the draft and in free agency. And so for this episode, we will be talking about the Pittsburgh Penguins and then the Anaheim Ducks, and the Minnesota Wild. So let's get it started. As The, the Penguins, now they technically, their pick belongs to the Ottawa Senators. They're 22nd overall because of that Ian Cole, Derek Broussard deal. So the Penguins, without a first-round draft pick, they have the Senators' third-round pick, but not their own. They don't have a fourth round, and they do have the rest of their picks along with the Red Wings' fifth-round pick. Uh they do have some pretty significant free agents. Riley Sheehan, Brian Rust, Tom Kunakel, all RFAs, um, along with Dominic Simon and 
Jamie Alexiak, and then you've got good old Carter Rowney as a UFA. So uh, not not a whole lot of I don't think there'll be a lot of difficulty signing guys like Sheary and Rust. Uh, they've been there the whole time, and they they've signed decent deals, but they only have maybe with the salary cap going up uh, eight million in cap space. Yeah, just about. And I mean, you can go ten percent over, so they'll have no problem signing those guys. But there's going to have to be somebody who they'll be hard. They'll be real up against the cap. Did I say Connor Sheary was a free agent? I said you did I'm not. Riley Sheehan. Did I say you did say Riley? Sheehan. Okay, good. I, now I just looked at it. Was like, wait, okay, uh, yeah. And then I mean, not to mention the fact that next year Jake Getzel will be a, a RFA. So uh, this team may be coming into a position where uh, they they start to look like the Blackhawks in a way where they have to start paying everybody and they're going to have to ditch some players. Uh, who's your most likely candidate to be? Shipped off the bus. Uh, Chris Letang. Really? Chris yes. Letang? Okay. He was atrocious. Very up and down. No consistent play from him at all, especially in the playoffs, but more so this year. I I can't remember the, the, the advanced statistics on him, but they were just, his possession numbers were terrible. Sounds like the perfect time to try to trade a guy with $7.2 right. million cap with four years left on it at but, 31 years old. But... Uh, Chris Letang does still have some offensive capabilities that I think a lot of teams will drool over, um, especially when there's not. I mean, you look at the free agent market. Really, you have two high quality offensive defensemen and um, and John Carlson and Mike Green. And then it sort of dips down to the the Ian Coles and the Jack Johnsons of the world where really you're looking at guys that are probably going to sit in your five, six spot at best. Right. Right. Maybe play on that second power play. Yeah. Right. But for a guy who put up 51 points, yeah, a lot of that you're going to say, oh, well, you know, it's because you're playing with Crosby and Malkin all the time. So of course you're going to get your points, but I still think Chris Letang does have some value when it comes to the offensive side of the game. And maybe if you're a team like, for instance, maybe Montreal who has a Shea Weber who can, doesn't, doesn't skate as well anymore, but still has good defensive capabilities. You could say, let's put those two together. Yeah, or, but when you look at this defense and you go, right, Justin yeah. Schultz, Brian Dumoulin, Ole Mata, Matt Hunwick, Chad Ruedel, Jamie Alexiak. With no Chris Letang, that defense is worse than they were two years ago when they won the cup. Sure. No, I I mean, will, granted, I will they won not. the cup with a, without Letang. Yeah, I will not disagree with you at all. I think this is... A good opportunity to flip it for maybe um, maybe some draft picks, and you can sort of bundle those in to maybe try to get yourself a younger defenseman who who maybe and I can't think of any names off the top of my head, but maybe just that teams are their their cupboards are a little full. They're like, okay, we we have to get rid of one of them, and maybe there's a potential fit. Um, you could even look the way of Vegas, where they have a lot of um, quality, you know, defensemen who maybe could you know, blossom into something more. Maybe you look at a Nate Schmidt or somebody like that who you think, okay, he could come in here and he could be serviceable uh, until we find something else. And maybe you make a trade with Vegas because they certainly have the cap space to do it and they certainly need a top guy who can move the puck. Don't you think, though, that Latang in his play has has probably was affected by the fact that he's coming off these these different injuries? Absolutely. Is there a chance? Now, with a guy like Latang with such a high ceiling, 
you, you don't just ship them off for peanuts. No, 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 absolutely uh, not. I, I and I think he's more valuable. You're not going to get back what you give up uh, if he's able to reach back into his. You know, let's say he can come back at ninety five or ninety percent of what he was. He's still a really phenomenal defenseman. Uh, so, is he worth going? Well, let's just let's keep him here. Uh, because as far as players come from the back end, it's a lot harder to find them. Whereas maybe a guy like Phil Kessel will put up a ton of points, <laughs> but he's and he's got four years left on his deal. It's a very favorable deal for whoever scoops him up because they're mm-hmm. only playing six point eight. Because the Leafs are they are uh, they take a little chunk of that when they get, he got traded to Pittsburgh. And you look at his deal, what he could do to a team. I mean, it's he's shown in the right situation. Kessel's a, a fine player to have around. No, absolutely. He's a good guy. So I think that he's probably shed that reputation yeah. of like, well, I mean, Phil, uh, yeah, we're not sure. If, as long as he goes to a team that is competitive mm-hmm. and makes the playoffs and has a chance to win, I mean, he's he's going to put up a ton of points. No, there's absolutely no doubt about that. And I, I think his value, his return is going to be greater than Chris Letang's. There's no doubt about that. Um, but I mean, Pittsburgh's GM has come out and they have said that they're not going to trade Phil Kessel, but I guarantee you any GM, if they get the right package, everybody's available. Sure. Besides Sidney Crosby. And I, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, what they said was we don't have to trade Phil Kessel. Because, because Kessel, Kessel was upset that he wasn't playing with Malkin in the playoffs and he, he said it. And so people said, well, see, he's upset. And so they had to trade him and the Penguins are like, we don't have to do anything. Right. It'll be fine. I mean, there's been disagreements with coaches and players since the beginning of coaches and players. Right. Absolutely. But I think more to the point for me, the reason I look at a guy like Latang is is one, his play is dipping. He's not as effective, you know, as he once was. And now you look at what they did two two years ago, where their defense was not very good. They had Ian Cole running the show basically. Um and th- They've proven they can do it without a Chris Letang back. This is what blows my mind that they just felt like, nah, Ian Cole, garbage. Even <laughs> yeah. though he, he was like their top defenseman he along was. with Justin Schultz. Yeah, and I think Schultz, is he's he's grown. He's playing great hockey right now. So I think you give him the bulk of your minutes and you try to find somebody else to fill that second pairing spot and try to get what you can out of Chris Letang. Because like, like we talked about, they got guys that are going to need new contracts. I mean, one of them is... Carl Hagelin, he's coming up next season, too. He's a UFA. Are they going to look at resigning him or letting him go? You just figure out a a way to either trade him. I think he's a trade deadline move, to be quite honest. Could be. But uh, but if if they're looking to win the cup, they're going to hang on to Hagelin. Sure, absolutely. Just Uh, like Toronto did with JVR and Bozak. Yeah, yeah, of course. When you're a good team, you you don't just go and trade away your free agents just because. I mean, it's just going to happen. You lose them for nothing. Right. There's going to be guys you lose for nothing when you're good. And uh, that, that just... Is what it is. Yeah. Uh, well, as as far as goaltending goes, I, I do want to address their goaltending. Yes, please. I was gonna. I was gonna talk about of, this. Of though. course, yes. you were. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, then, then let me go ahead and, and uh, pose your thoughts on their goaltending, and I'll chime in. Well, don't get me wrong. I think Matt Murray is still of a, a good number one to have, and and any team would love to have him. But um, I think at three point seven million for this season and next, it's worth exploring a Jonathan Bernier. Uh, Carter Hutton, somebody who can come in for around another $3 million and can push and give you, because let's face it, Matt Murray has been hurt quite a bit over the last couple seasons. And Tristan Jari, 
Casey DeSmith, I don't trust either one of those two guys to to take the reins if something happens to Matt Murray. And I think they need some sort of insurance policy in case he starts having bad stretches, in case he gets hurt, or maybe you have a situation like Washington did where they started Grubauer in the playoffs. And maybe that's what, you know, he needs to get back into it. But again, I I just think he he you need another goaltender back there as an insurance policy. Yeah, and I remember, I mean, it was only a year ago that the Penguins had almost $10 million devoted to their right. goaltending with uh, with Marc-Andre Fleury there at 575. So, I mean, they they certainly could devote uh, some more money to goaltending. I think the problem is is that if you want to take away, if you want to give some money to that goaltending, you're going to have to take it away from the forward position. Yeah, absolutely. So. But again, that's another reason why I think moving a guy like Chris Letang certainly opens up a lot of cap space and gives you options. Yeah. Uh, the other thing that I think you could do is Casey DeSmith, Tristan Jari. All right, the you know they're they are what they are. Uh, both guys are relative. No, Casey DeSmith, I think he's he's twenty six, and then uh, so it's not like they're probably going to get a whole lot better than what they are. Right. Uh, I don't know if you need to go out and spend a bunch of money on a Bernier or a or a Carter Hutton. I, I think you can get away with maybe do, trying again what you did last year, bringing in a guy, not Niemi, uh, but another guy at a million dollars and seeing who can patch up the net. Uh, I think... Do you maybe explore the option of a Peter Mrazek? Yeah, I mean, if Peter Mrazek becomes a UFA... Yeah, and he'll be cheap. Absol- yeah, yeah, absolutely, I would. Yeah, I, I, I think that Peter Mrazek is an... People don't like him because... He has either a really good game or a bad game. Right. He's very inconsistent. So, I mean, and that's, on the one hand, that's bad. On the other hand, though, when you can throw a guy in as your backup goalie or starter needs a rest Mm -hmm. or your starter gets hurt, he is a guy who can get hot and stay hot for a little bit. Yeah, and Red Wings took advantage of He had a 10-game stretch, I think it was, right before the deadline where he was running like a 932 save percentage, and that's... How Detroit was able to trade him? Just hey, yeah. we got a hot goaltender. Let's yeah, let's do it. Uh, okay. Uh, well, I mean, as as far as I guess bringing in free agents, I don't think this team's going to do a whole lot in no. free agency. Uh, I just when you look at their roster and you go, okay, well, I mean, you you already have nine players at the forward position signed and six defensively signed. So I mean, you're all set. Um, pretty much for for this next year not a whole lot of money to spend i mean you never know if they're able to deal a guy like if they dealt Latang, of course we're looking at a whole different game yeah. plan uh but with with no first round pick uh i don't see any crazy trades um i think their trade that they made was for brassard and brassard still has another year left on his deal and mm-hmm. that's why it was such a good such a good move and so uh, i think the penguins will happily go into next season with a roster that looks pretty much like what they have right here. Absolutely. Uh, I, I think there's a chance you could see them trade a guy like a Brian Rust or a Shan, depending on what they can get for them, you know, yeah. what they can sign them for. Uh, but they may have to make a decision on, you know, how much, how much can you really pay Brian Rust? Right. I mean, he, he's probably going to want, Two and a half, three, something similar to Shiri, or, or uh, yeah, and so 
I, I don't know. I don't know if you can pay him that though. So. No, and I think Riley Sheehan's probably going to want somewhere up there too, between two and three. And, and Riley Sheehan is, in my mind, is just not worth that. I mean, what? No, he's, he's thirty-two points. Uh, I mean, he had a he had a much better year. <laughs> yeah, there, but absolutely. I mean, but he's still a fourth line, possibly third line center, on a good day. Yeah, and yeah. that's all he is. Yeah, you don't give guys like that three million dollars. No, yeah, so. he, I mean he should sign for uh, that one point eight two million mark. Sure, is fair, but that's only if he's signing for two years. Right. As I, I mean, if I'm looking at Connor or Riley Sheehan, and I'm going, you're 26 years old, you're you're already pretty bad. You're gonna get <laughs> in, in two or three years. He's probably gonna be at the bottom of his game and ready to be. Yeah, especially when you got younger guys that probably are developing right now. And, yeah, he'll be easily pushed out of that team. Yeah, if there's one guy that I would probably look to move on Pittsburgh, it's probably Riley Sheehan. Uh, just just to get him get him off the books. We don't, right. don't need you him anymore. I mean, you have a third, fourth yeah. round pick. You have Malkin, Crosby, and, and uh, Broussard, right? Yeah. So you can scoot guys out, and, and you've got lots of space. Okay, let's, uh, let's move on to the Anaheim Ducks. From the Penguins to the Ducks, we've got birds all over the place. Uh, the Anaheim Ducks have all their picks except for a seventh-round pick, and they have an additional pick from the New Jersey Devils, which I believe was the uh, with the Vatnan trade. Yes. So uh, with uh, with their full arsenal of draft picks along with some uh, a lot of kind of side, side chick kind of free agents, uh, <laughs> I keep throwing out the birds. That's wow. why. Uh, Derek Grant, Antoine Vermette, Chris Kelly, Jason Chimera, JT Brown, all UFAs along with Kevin Bieksa. I feel like when I hear those names, I'm thinking of like 2012, and those are unbelievable players coming off the books. Yeah. Right? <laughs> right. Uh, RFAs, Andre Kasha and Nick Ritchie, along with Andy Walensky and Brandon Montour. Uh, Brandon Montour probably cost him a little bit but uh my guess brandon montour is something like josh manson kind of money yeah that's somewhere between three and a half four million uh so yeah i I, although josh manson signed a little bit into his ufa years so uh, that could also play a part but uh two goalies who are both free agents at the end of next year john gibson's gonna get paid he's big time 2.3 right now rf rfa he'll get about seven yeah, so I think if you're Anaheim, you have about 15, between twelve and fifteen million in cap space when the cap goes up. Uh, this team not a whole lot of room to do much, but we've talked about the Corey Perry saga quite yeah. a bit throughout the year and his struggles. Can the Ducks unload him? Do they keep him? Uh, what What do the Ducks do in terms of being able to find some? offense and and kind of rebuild what looks like a very aging forward group. I mean, you look, Perry, Getzlaff, Kessler, all 33. Adam Henrique's a nice 28, and Ricard Raquel is 25. Silverberg is 27. He's a UFA at the end of next year. And then you've got Cogliano at 31. Patrick Eves at 34. Uh, I mean, this is just an aging group up front. And so where do the Ducks go? That's tough because besides missing the playoffs, right? Oh, they well, that's that's a possibility. Uh, I mean, Getzlaff, Adam Henrique, you know what you're going to get, and I think they'll still be quality guys. Um, but at this point, 
you really have to explore the possibility of eating some money and trying to unload Corey Perry. If you can open up five, six million dollars in cap space, you could potentially go and and make a move in free agency to sign somebody decent to help you at that forward position. Because I mean, let's face it, Corey Perry, what he put up like thirty points this past season. Yeah, he wasn't very good. No, it was just he looked slow. He actually he actually put up forty nine. Okay, not bad. Uh, but I mean, we're t- we're talking forty nine points. As you know, I mean, he's he's getting good minutes on this team. Right? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. A little later in the season, he was his minutes had started to diminish. And, but I mean, you you gotta you live and you die by your eight point five million dollar guy or however much he. Uh, 8.625. Yeah. And so honestly, this is their last shot. This is their window. If you're the Ducks, you have to try to make a play to go all in because Getzlaff, Kessler, they're not getting any younger. They're 33 years old. Can I tell you what I'd love to see? I would love you to tell me. I want Henrik Zetterberg to go to the Ducks. Ooh. I don't know why. I I just think when I see Getzlaff, Perry, Kessler, Zetterberg. I want those old guys all playing together and and then go out and try to try to go sign Thornton or something. Oh boy. You well, know what I just, was actually thinking? Like a Thomas Vanek on this team could provide offense and he would be fit into that old guy mold, right? Yeah. There, so. I, I believe the Leafs in nineteen sixty seven were they were the oldest team to win the cup and I think their average age was like thirty five point eight oh or my something. Goodness. I, I think that was their average. Stop. I looked that up. But they were Definitely the oldest team by average to ever win the cup. Wow! Uh, I want to see a team take a take a stab <laughs> at that. I will at least in recent years. You know yeah. that oh average my age that would be crazy. Anything above thirty would be amazing. You know, you, you, I think you used to see a lot more teams that were really veteran based, mm-hmm. and now because of the way that the cap works and being able to get ELCs, speed. It, you see a, a lot of teams that go well. We we'll just have. Uh, essentially, the the veterans are just the sprinkles. You know, we'll throw them on top, and we'll see what sticks to our cupcake. But yeah, but it's, I, a, it's not the meat of it. So this team is blessed with quality defense and good goaltending, right? Even Ryan Miller in a backup role, he looks phenomenal. Um, I think the best part for the Ducks, though, even if they can't move, you know, Corey Perry's contract, and he has to play third line minutes. And, you know, top power play unit minutes, whatever it is that they got him on. This team does have some really, really good prospects coming in in the forward position. Uh, Sam Steele, uh, Max Jones. These are two guys, honestly, that could come in and play top six minutes for them and yeah. make a difference. Yeah, that is true. They, they do have some guys coming. That is very yeah. true. And that really could change the uh, change the look of them. It absolutely is. And maybe, you know, with knowing that you have these guys uh, coming in, maybe you explore moving uh, a Jakob Silverberg now. Um, you, you know, maybe even trying to get an. Uh, well, no, I wouldn't even move Andre Kasha, but maybe Nick Rich, Richie. You try to move him out because uh, you could probably get a, a halfway decent return. So, um, to me, I think the Ducks really are sort of stuck where they are just because of those big contracts at the at their top six forwards. So, if maybe they can unload one of them, now they have options to really be you know, to really be movers and shakers um, in the free agency pool. But other than that, I think they're just going to have to rely on guys, like I said, Max Jones and Sam Steele to come in and make the difference. Yeah, and the hardest thing is going to be not necessarily this year. It's going to be next year. 
because yeah. Adam Henrique and, and Silverberg becoming UFAs. I mean, Jakob Silverberg. Uh, what it, what kind of contract is he going to get? I mean, last year he's probably he only a had four and a half million dollar guy. He only had forty points, but it, it always feels like he's a better player than that. No, absolutely, and you he's a guy that I still think can give you more. But when you're getting up at that age, at 27, 28 years old, you have to start saying, okay, well, he's not getting better. We, like this is what he's going to be for the next, you know, three four years. Yeah, I guess when you look at Silverberg, you go, okay, he's due for a slight raise, but yeah, I guess four and a half million. So that may be not as as uh, problematic. Uh, just I, Gibson's the problematic one because yeah, you're yeah. going from two point three, and he's going to go up five six million dollars. You know, for a team, when I look at this team now and I look at their defense, I mean, obviously Cam Cam Fowler, Hampus Lindholm, Josh Manson, it's still really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brandon Montour, but this team had Shea Theodore. Yeah, I know. <laughs> And, Sammy Vatanen. And Sammy Vatanen <laughs> on it. Uh, you know what? It's funny because we all, we've all we been talking all year about Carolina and how they need to trade someone, one of their defensemen, because they, they have too many. They have more than six really good defensemen. Yeah, they do. Uh, especially with, with other guys coming. And so you look at them and you go, well, let's do something and let's exchange those pieces so you can get some forwards. Well, the Ducks did just that. You know, they they yeah. sent Sammy Vatnin and they exchanged him for Adam Henrique. It ended up being a really good move in the middle of the season when they were really hampered by all those injuries. Yep. And they ended up obviously making the playoffs. Uh, but I'm wondering, when I look at the Ducks, I go, I, if I'm Carolina, I look at the Ducks, and I, and I know they lost uh, Shea Theodore to uh, the expansion draft. So yeah. it's not totally fair, but I look at them and I go, hmm. I don't want to. I don't want to completely decimate our defense, even though it's a strength. Like, how much of an advantage is it to just go? Let's just have these six guys that we can rely on play them all twenty minutes a night, and we don't have to. We don't have to overplay anybody. Uh, I think sometimes you look down the stretch and you go, I mean, there's guys that are playing so much yeah. that you know, come playoff time, they're tiring out. Yeah. So maybe it's to your advantage just to keep all your defensemen and just hope that you can find forwards in other places because it is hard to find a good defenseman. And and it seems to be a little easier to go out and find that, you know, a guy who can chip in some goals from the wing. Yeah, absolutely. Would completely agree with that. I think you look at the success of teams like, um, you know, for example, Nashville, who had good success winning games two to one. Um, you know, they were keeping teams scoring you know minimal goals and yeah so you don't have to be i mean granted you're still going to get some offensive production from a lot of these guys but you can you can get the bare minimum out of them and still be successful that is very true so uh okay well let's we'll move on from the ducks i do you think the ducks are playoff team next year oh they're a bubble team right now to me yeah and it's you know i want to say that it's going to be tough because i think Edmonton finds a way to get better this offseason, and I think with Talbot having a bounce back hey, here. better. <laughs> yeah, I think it's really going to push Anaheim uh, for a spot here, so it'll be interesting. Yeah, but I mean, I, I see Anaheim's in a similar position to, say, like a San Jose, minus the fact that they don't quite have the same uh, right. commitments, I'll say. <laughs> uh, but as far as next year, uh, another kind of aging group, and uh, I don't necessarily think that the Kings are going to be that 
I, I don't know if they maybe take a step back and that they're somewhere between two years ago and this year, uh, but I, I doubt that Anze Kopitar is going to have another potential heart trophy winning type of season. Uh, it's hard to hard to I wrap. I disagree that. with you on that one, but uh, <laughs> that division is, I think, where this year the Atlantic was the worst division. Mm-hmm. I think next year it really will be the Pacific. The Pacific will slip back into that. Well, that's the I think there's going to be too many mediocre teams. Yes. Yes. Where I think the 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 Atlantic this year anyways, you have Boston, Toronto and Tampa Bay, so they're going to be probably three of the best teams in the East. And, but I I think Montreal will be better next year. Yeah. I I'm not sure about Ottawa yet. Florida is going to get I better. I think Florida will be better. I think Florida's probably a playoff team next year. Buffalo's going to be better cuz you Buffalo. know Darlene's going to come in and And because you know they can't be worse. Play okay. 32 minutes a night. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh let's move on to the Wild and finish up uh the Wild have Oh, let's see what kind of draft picks they have. They, third they have their first, but three third rounders. Yep, no fourth, but two fifth rounders and then their sixth and seventh picks. So as far as free agents go, Curtis Gabriel, Daniel Winnick, Kyle Rao, and Matt Cullen. Uh, I got to imagine Matt Cullen's done. Uh, uh, yeah. And then Jason Zucker is an RFA, so that'll be an interesting signing for them, along with Matt Dumba is an RFA. Uh, Ryan Murphy and Nick Sealer, too. So uh, when I when I look at this team, they're they're basically the same again. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they have a lot of a lot of their forwards are signed. I mean, they basically have their whole team signed essentially. Uh, defensively, though, uh, especially without Ryan Suter in the playoffs, this team could not keep up with the Jets. Although Dumba did play very well, yes, uh, and and was given a bigger role, which I think is important. I I think you got to look at playing Ryan Suter less during the regular season. But when I look at this team up front, there's just not a whole lot. I mean, guys are going to get points. But come playoff time, there is just such minimal star power. Uh, I I look at this team and I go, yeah, they're in the playoffs, but they'll probably lose in the first round again unless they do something drastic to blow things up in some way. Yeah, I think there was way too many guys on this team where you just you looked at them and you're like, I expected so much more out of these guys. Maybe not a ton more, but you look at it. I mean, for instance... Dumba, Suter, great. Eric Stahl, phenomenal, especially at $3.5 million. That could be one of the best bargains. Um, yeah, Eric Stahl, one of the one of the best stories, I think, in the... Is, is he up for the... Uh, what's that? The, like, comeback player. The, the Bill Masterson. Is he up for that? Trophy or whatever it is. He yeah, should. He should be. He should um, be. I mean, it's funny because he had 65 points the year before. Yeah. And then he had 76 points. So it's not like, I mean, he's he's more of a bounce back from two years ago where he only had 39 points in 83 games. Yeah. Wow. So, so yeah, but I mean, Charlie Coyle, here's a big example of a guy who was expected to eventually vault into that number one center position, be that power forward center, almost like a Ryan Getzlaff type guy. And he only managed to put up 37 points, barely 10, 11 goals. Uh, Niederreier, same thing, 32 points, barely getting much out of him, where you should be expecting a little bit more production. I Both these guys, I would have expected probably at least 50 points from last year. Right, right. But, and, and and the 20 goals. And yeah, it's... Uh, and not getting a healthy Zach Parise does not help at all, because he... 
Let's face it. He can never stay healthy. Oh, man. He looked so good, too, when he came back. He did. He absolutely did. It was was like the best that I've seen him look in years, and uh, he goes and gets hurt again, and it's just too bad. Uh, But let's assume everyone's healthy. Everyone's back, and everybody's healthy. Okay. Uh, This team needs to run into the right team, I think, to win a round. Yeah. I mean, which, which is fine. I think that's the case for most of the teams that go in the playoffs. It's, all right. How how fortunate are you with your matchups? I, I really, as as much as it was so impressive what Vegas did, they certainly benefited from some early round matchups where the the two teams that they got to play when they uh, they played L.A. Oh yeah. sure, yeah. If you're facing a you know a Nashville or Winnipeg in the first two rounds, do you mow through them that easily? Right, no, right. Not at all. Or do you mow through both of them? Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. No. So. As far as the Wild and their, I, I mean, at this point, I think that Wild fans are not sick of making the playoffs, but sick of not making it out of the first round. Yeah. So, what does this team do? Not just this next year. How do they move forward for the next five years and shake that? Well, we're just that perennial playoff first round loser. Well. I think more than anything, this team needs an exciting young forward to come in. Um, maybe not necessarily super young, but I think somebody who they can potentially put in their top six role for the next five years. Um, maybe a guy like a, a Tyler Johnson they make a play for. Dude, you know what I just thought of? I don't know, but you're going to tell me. We just talked about the Penguins and Phil Kessel. I mean... How good... And Phil Kessel and Zach Parisi are friends. Yeah, and Ryan true. Suter... And granted, Phil Kessel doesn't get invited to play with Team USA, but they've played together there before. Um, good Americans on this team. But what do you move if you're Minnesota? Do you move a Joel Erickson Eck, um, a Charlie Coyle at this point? Yeah, it's uh, – I mean, I don't really want to come up with a trade situation because okay. – uh, because I don't want to work at that at all. I, <laughs> it's very difficult no, I, when you start I, thinking. I think really if you were Minnesota, you'd go, all right, you're going to get our first-round pick. Uh, I, I think you consider trading a Car- Charlie Coyle or a Nino Niederreiter. That's what you yeah. need to do. I, I think Nino Niederreiter, oh, man, it would be tough to give up give up on one, either of those guys. Mm-hmm. But and, and because they're, they're younger – uh, I I would go Charlie Coyle and a first round pick for Phil Kessel, and then maybe you're throwing in, you know, something like a, a Ryan Murphy or you know a Riley Shahan, one of their jeez. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I'm I I mean I'm wondering what Phil Kessel's value actually is because I mean when when they he got traded the first time, mm-hmm. well I should say the second second time, time yeah <laughs> uh, he was traded for a. First round pick and Kapanen. That was that was pretty much. I think there might have been a couple other picks in there, yeah. but or another of a low level prospect. But I mean, to to get a Charlie Coyle or a Nino Niederreiter to replace, and then get a first round pick on top of that. Well, but if you're Minnesota, you're going okay. We can trade a guy who, yeah, he might still end up being pretty decent, but Phil Kessel brings something special to the table. Yeah, I I absolutely think that wouldn't be such a bad move for and a team it, like that. And as long as you got a, you've got Zach Parise in that locker room, uh, Eric Stahl, I, I I think he'll re-sign in Minnesota and just continue this. Yeah, absolutely. This, Why uh, wouldn't you? You have a run. good thing going, yeah. a good situation. Exactly. There's not. I mean, don't get me wrong. 
I don't think he has to deal with that pressure of having to be the guy like he did in Carolina. Um, yeah. He can just go out and be himself because yeah. now you got guys like Parise that, and Suter they point to. I think, I think finding a top six forward would be ideal for this team. I don't know how easy it's going to be to make that happen. Like you said, finding a, a Phil Kessel. I think a guy like maybe a Tyler Johnson, like I mentioned, would be more obtainable yeah. and cost you a lot less uh, where you probably could flip a Charlie Coyle one for one, maybe throwing a, a third round pick That's with true. him. Um, but for me, another thing, I think you have to give a guy like Ryan Suter, like you mentioned, less ice time. Try to work in some of the younger guys like Doomba and uh, and Broden and try to get them a little bit more time so you can see what you have um, and maybe think about, well, yeah, maybe... Not to destroy his body throughout right. the whole year. Like, uh, these guys have all the sports science stuff. You'd think that you'd go, okay... This is too many minutes. Like no one else plays right. this guy you can't this be kind doing of minutes. 28, 30 minutes a game. And and I understand like I've heard stuff about him where I mean he his heart rate is just so low even when he's playing all the time. Yeah. Uh but to me that doesn't matter. Like, okay, that's fine. He can play those minutes uh physically and, and fitness wise, he's okay. That's that's okay, but I mean, think about the wear and tear on your body. He's playing if he's playing an average of thirty minutes a game. If you were to pull him back to twenty two minutes a game, that means that every, basically every third game he's playing an extra game or one extra one less game. So I mean, over yeah. the course of over the course of eighty two games, where he's playing twenty thirty less games in terms of minutes, that's massive because there's your playoffs. Right there. There's your playoff run. Yeah. Where if he can be more fresh for that playoff run, I think uh, they maybe stand a chance. This might be a good situation for a guy like Ian Cole to come in. Uh, at 29, huh? you could give him $3.5 million, not really hurt the bank too much, and you can shed some of those minutes off of his body. I, I like it. So I like it. That's a, Yeah, that, w- that would make a lot of sense. Uh, Jason Jason Zucker, what, is he, what do you think he's going to sign for? Oh, boy. What was because his production he had like 64 last points, 33 goals. Yeah. I mean, is he going to get... He's going to uh, get that 6-7 mil. Let's look at that Pasternak deal. Yep, that's exactly And probably take it back a little. Like, somewhere between 6 and 6.5 six and million is my guess. So there goes all your cap space. Yeah. <laughs> because they have 7.4 right now. Tack on, let's be generous and say an extra 5. And, I mean, that's that's it. So yeah, so that's where I think a guy like a Nino Niederreiter at five point two million at twenty five years old, a team would be willing to take on that contract, especially at a young age and a guy who's still fast. Yeah, so that's true. You could shed some salary there and then bring in a guy like we said, Ian Cole, because um, they're set in goal. They're they're fine. Their defense again. I I would like to see somebody else come in who can play some minutes, but trying to find a top six forward for them is the most important thing for me right now. Yeah, I think their best bet is to trade a guy who you don't want to trade, but flip him for something else and mm-hmm. begin to refresh this roster a little bit. Yeah. I think it needs, it truly does need somewhat of a refresh. Now, if you could somehow trade Zach Parise, that's the <laughs> uh, that's the ideal move. I honestly think what's going to happen is after this season, you're going to see him go on long-term injured reserve. Yeah, that's that's and certainly they'll get the relief there that way. Yeah, so. yeah, maybe uh, maybe he just becomes allergic to his equipment all of a sudden (laughs) where do you get that shot oh boy (laughs) not even going to say anything poor little hosa okay well uh is this playoff team next year um yeah i mean as much as i i don't i think they're probably going to be 
they're going to be worse, I think, than last year because I don't think – while I think Eric Stahl's still going to have a good year, I don't think he's going to have as good a year. And if they make some moves to get some a guy like Nito Niederreiter out, um, I don't see – much improvement in the way of younger guys on the team in the forward position that can improve too much to where right. you're going to look and say, okay, they're, they're getting better. Plus figure out a scenario where Chicago is the same or worse as they were this last year. Right. I, exactly. I don't think that you're going to find one. Right. I, I think that team's better. No, absolutely. And, and I you think have St. Louis is better too. Better Nashville, Winnipeg. These teams are all better. And you're or not, Nashville and Winnipeg aren't getting worse. Right, exactly. We'll and you're not you're not jumping any one of those four teams, I think. So um the fifth place prediction that I made in, in Dallas for this season. Dallas yeah. is gonna be better too. Absolutely will be. So absolutely. Yeah, you yeah, uh, you had them outside of the playoffs this yeah, last year. I did. And I uh, that's where I think again this season they're you were just maybe you were just a year too early that's, with that prediction. I'm always early. <laughs> <laughs> all right well that is no. our show you're always early uh no i i have one more thing i do want to talk about because oh, oh, i i have oh, to yes, get your yeah, thought yeah, yeah, really yeah. quick on this mark and i were talking before the show and i i said i had some one tasty subject i wanted to bring up um wow don't ever do that again <laughs> uh if only never mind so i was listening on the radio today and i was thinking okay Colorado, when they made that trade for Matt Duchesne with the Senators, the first round pick for Ottawa was part of the deal. And what was stipulated in that there was an option where Ottawa could choose to hold on to this year's first round pick and give Colorado next year's or give them this year's and hold on to their pick next year. Right. And I look at, okay, they're picking fourth this year. Ottawa is. I, I mean, first off, what is your thought? Do you think Ottawa should hold on to the fourth pick this year or give it to Colorado and t- keep next year's pick? I think you just traded for Matt Duchesne. Mm -hmm. And whether you trade Eric Carlson or not, you're going to get, if you keep him, great. You have top three defensemen in the NHL. Mm -hmm. Uh, If you trade him, you're getting a King's ransom in return. Yes. So hopefully you're fielding a, a, you know, you've got some, you actually have players that you get back in that deal that can play on your team this next year. Yeah. Uh, The Mike Hoffman, the whole his girlfriend texting and her uh, Instagram posting, what are all that yeah. whole mess with Carlson's wife? Uh, it sounds like it'll result in maybe one of them leaving. It's almost going to have to leave. <laughs> yeah, maybe both. Uh, so if you trade Hoffman, you're probably going to get a roster player back in return. Now, if they go trade Carlson Hoffman and they they do it for prospects. Mm-hmm. Okay, this team probably be pretty bad. Yeah, uh, but I think they they underperformed this year. They overperformed two years ago when they went to the conference finals. Mm-hmm. But you don't go from the conference finals next year, finish second last in the conference, uh, without some things going wrong. Uh, Carlson was hurt early on in the year. Yep. Maybe their season looks completely different. Uh, Craig Anderson, as I've said a few times on the show, the that, that he uh, one year he has a good year, and it is like literally the next year he has a bad year, the next year good year, bad year good year, bad year good year. He might be due for another good year. You know, maybe his dog will die, and it'll give oh. him some motivation. I don't know. Okay, see, he needs motivation. I mean, for me, I think it is the stupidest thing you could do if you're the Senators to hold on to the fourth pick this no. year. No, you're going to root for yourself to be bad. Apps, not that you're okay. You're not yeah, admitting that's what you'd be doing. I, you're not admitting that you're going to be bad. That is but admitting you're, you're but bad. But you're being realistic in the sense that 
you okay, they clearly know what's going on behind closed doors that we do not. So if they're if they somehow think that this is being blown out of proportion with Hoffman and Carlson, which I absolutely do not think it's being blown out of proportion. Doesn't sound like it. Uh, no, absolutely. But so I, I look at the draft class this year. I think the top two, Sveshnikov, Darlene, they're the top of the class. We know they're going one and two, but after you go there, you're looking at a group of defensemen from you know picks three all the way down to pick ten, where you're like. Any one of those guys could go in any one of those four, spots. There's some, I mean, they have the fourth pick, so they they get... Uh, right, could get Brady Kachuk or... Kachuk or, or Zadina. Absolutely. I mean, that's... They could get a guy who could come in immediately and probably mm-hmm. play in their top six. Yep. However, I think the idea of next year... Jack Hughes. The, Jack Hughes, because to me, I think Matt Duchesne walks next year. I don't think he resigns. I don't think Eric Carlson's coming back to this dysfunctional franchise... And same with Hoffman. He's gone. So at this point, you need something next year to build around. Now, I'm not saying they're going to finish at the bottom, but I do think they're probably going to be bottom three team in the league. I'm going to say this. You spent all all season talking about how the Islanders were dysfunctional and John Tavares wouldn't be back. And what do we see well, today? I didn't, didn't. That John Tavares <laughs> is said, I'm focusing on negotiating my contract okay. with the Islanders. And just like I said all year. It's looking more and more like he's going to re-sign with the Islanders. Okay, let me clarify. I didn't never call them dysfunctional. Okay, I, <laughs> I just said that he's not signing the island, and I still I back that. Okay, yep. But now if John Tavares does go and sign there, this next year, are you going to spend all year talking about how... Duchesne's not coming Duchesne back? Duchesne or Carlson's Absolutely. not coming back? Absolutely. <laughs> Oh, okay. If, I, if there's any franchise in the league that is just like, you need to get out of there as quick as possible, especially if you're those two guys, it's Ottawa. Yeah, but the, the difference is, is that if, if that happened, they will trade them. Yeah. So they, they will, will get assets back for them. Uh, but yes, if, if Ottawa doesn't have those things, then yeah, they'll be pretty bad. But I personally think you you just can't, you can't go, oh, we got the fourth overall pick. Oh, oh. You watch. We're going to outdo ourselves next year. We're going to finish dead last. And you know what? <laughs> Finishing dead last doesn't even guarantee you the first overall pick. So I'm taking what I have. I'm going to improve my team now. And if next year we give up the first overall pick, well, that sucks. But I, I think it's thing. too hard to, to look. Because if you go and you make the playoffs again, yeah. you go, frick, we just gave up a maybe a player who is a franchise, not not a franchise player in the sense of like a Connor McDavid, Austin Matthews right. kind of thing, but a player who could be with your franchise for the next eight to 10 years. You just gave guy. up them. Yeah. And so I, I don't think you want to give up a player like that. I think that you, you take whoever you can get at the fourth pick and you look to be better next year. Uh, it's this Ottawa's not a franchise that can just tank because no one will come already. Nobody's coming. Right. So they, they have to build something from here. Well, I think this team will look drastically different come October yeah. than they are right now. But I think, again, just one more point. I think Ottawa has a lot of good prospects in the pipeline with your Colin Whites, your Logan Browns, your Shabbats, where it's time to say, hey, let's hit the reset button. Let's dump Carlson. Let's get some assets. Let's get that Jack Hughes in here and let's get going. Uh, yeah, but there's just That's no me. guarantee that you're getting Jack Hughes. No guarantee at all. It's absolutely it's, first off, you have to be bad because other teams are going to try to be bad yes. too. And then you have like an 18% chance to get him, even if you are the worst. Absolutely. So yep. I mean, why not just try to make the playoffs and maybe you have a I think the risk is much uh, well, I think the risk is much more worth it with a Jack Hughes versus a guy like Brady Kachuk. How about yeah. this? How about you just don't make that trade? 
back then anyway. Well, you never should have. No. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, that is our show. Uh, unless Justin wants to jump in here and pose another question. Uh, no, I'm done talking. <laughs> uh, that's our show. And uh, Justin, enjoy your vacation. I think you'll be back in 12 days. Hopefully, uh, you know, hopefully I, I don't we'll blow everything a little up. bit. Yeah, yeah, please don't. Uh, the NHL draft is coming up next weekend. Yeah, so. I'm going to be on the beach watching that on my iPad. So Love it. Love it. <laughs> hopefully we'll get you in here for a show. We'll be having some guests on during the next week as uh, Justin enjoys the sunshine. And we will talk to you very soon. Follow us on Twitter at OT Hockey Talk. Have a great weekend.